hand, turn around and say hello to someone, and then be seated. As you go out tonight, pick up your copy of Days of Praise. I want you to do that and all the other items that are out there. Now, when we go offline, we will have our business meeting. And so you that are viewing, you still have time to get in your cars if you're close enough and get here in time for the business meeting. Only those who are present on site will be able to vote for the various measures that we're going to be talking about. Pick up your Let's Celebrate Christmas and make sure that Jesus Christ is at the center of the season. Don't forget that Friday night we've got a great cookies and caroling activity. You want to bring your two, three, four, five, six dozen homemade Christmas cookies here at 6 o'clock. We'll rehearse, leave at 6.30. We'll be over there at Fellowship House by 7 o'clock to start our concert and our Christmas caroling and are enjoying the cookies in the season with the people over there. Uh, we took all the other items over today and uh, they're going to be ready for us. And I know we're going to have a good crowd, and I know we're going to have a great time. So everybody plan to be there on Friday night. Praise the Lord. And then Saturday, 9 o'clock cleaning, 10 o'clock visitation. We start our Fill America, Fill Virginia campaign. We've got high goals, but we can reach those. And hopefully the weather will cooperate. We can hang some door hangers, and we can get some tracks out throughout all the stores. I get the thrift stores, all right? But we're going to, you, you all get the mall and Walmart, whatever else you're going to get. And let's set some records for Jesus, amen? Let's reach out. I know the other folks that participate with us are excited, and we have reason to be excited too. All right, so don't miss out. Be in church on Sunday, every Sunday if you can possibly, during the month of December. And uh, we have some exciting things. We've got some candlelights on the morning of the 24th on the evening of the 31st. And we have our musicale on the 17th at 11 o'clock. We're going to be rehearsing these uh, this uh, next Sunday, Sunday morning and Sunday evening, rehearsing uh, for that great musicale on the 17th. Don't miss it. And then we get into 2024. Oh, my. It's going to be exciting. got an extravaganza. We've got uh, Beast Feast coming up. Got a lot of excitement going on around here. Amen. Don't get taken up with the things of the world. Don't get sidetracked. We need to keep our eyes on the sky. Jesus is coming back. He's going to call us home. We need to be prepared for that. How many of you say, even so, come Lord Jesus? Come on, how many of you are saying that tonight? Come on, raise your hands. Even so, come Lord Jesus. That's right. We don't want to get adjusted to this world. Old Jesse Dixon used to sing that on the homecoming set. Don't want to get adjusted to this world. Amen. Uh, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Amen and amen. Our scripture tonight, as we continue in Romans and chapter 1, lines up with many other passages of scripture. And I want you to turn with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 1. We're going to be uh, in other passages as well. Because the last days are discussed from the very beginning to the very ending of the Bible. You know that early on in the book of Genesis, we read about Noah. And what does Jesus say over the New Testament? As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. We know that those conditions that were prevalent in Noah's day are prevalent today. We know that Jesus is not far off. He's coming soon. And he's going to rapture the saints, the believers. 
Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. He's not going to leave you behind. He's going to take you out of this old world. Uh, for people who are a little nervous about the subject of death, uh, remember what Jake Hess sang, death ain't no big deal. Uh, that's true. But you know what? For those people, they're a little concerned because they haven't been there yet. They haven't done that yet. Let me tell you, there's a way to escape death, and that is to be among the generation of the living. When Jesus comes back for his own, he won't leave a single one behind. Those that have been saved are going to be taken out of here, will be changed in, the mo in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, the shortest space of time. So fast, it's faster than it takes to get saved. So a person won't have a chance to get saved if they've waited too late. It's the smallest space of time, the twinkling of an eye. And Jesus is going to change us in the twinkling of an eye. We're in Romans chapter 1. We closed off with verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. That, that very phrase is found back in, uh, uh, in so many passages of Scripture, old and new. Four different times we learned that the way by which we are to live or the means by which we are to live from event to event is by faith, from faith to faith, from faith to faith. You say, well, something happened to me today. We need to approach it, walk by faith and not by sight. And you say, something might happen tonight or tomorrow, then walk by faith and not by sight. We as believers are children of the light. We're children of the day and not of the darkness. We're prepared. We don't live like the children of the night. We live like children of the light. There's a difference. The transformation that takes place, takes place potentially at the moment of salvation. There's a transaction of any man being Christ. He's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now we have a new way of living. We don't live by the old order. We're under the new order. We're under the new system, which is the system of walking in the light and walking by faith and living by faith. That's what God desires of you and me so that we might be representatives, ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And so we're looking now at verse 18 through the end of the chapter. And it speaks about the wrath of God. We read about this in Psalm 2. The wrath of God, the wrath of the Son upon those who are unbelievers. You see, the problem of this world is not a political one. There's no political solution that's going to solve what's wrong with this world. There is no social uh, activity or moral or ethical uh, activity that's going to change this world. There is no program, there's no educational program that can change this world. The only transformation that can take place is within the human heart. One by one, every individual must come to, to terms with the fact that Jesus Christ died for their sin. Their sin is what nailed them to the cross and Jesus Christ died for their sin, and they must call upon the name of the Lord in order to be saved. Those that were lost. Now, I want to send a message, a clear message to hyper-Calvinists. Hyper-Calvinists treat people who are going to be saved as though they are already saved, and those that we don't know about as already lost, and they are, but as predestined to be lost, and that is a wrong view. Here's the right view. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Jesus Christ came to turn us around and give us a new life and to start us over on a new path and give us a new way to live and give us that great eternal life that we have and that we enjoy and give us everything brand new and make it all new. He makes all things 
brand new. He came as the Redeemer. He came as the Savior. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him, what? Might be saved. Now, I would just suggest to hyper-Calvinists, you spend less time trying to figure out what God has told us to faith out. We might be able to walk by faith and not by sight. We might be able to do some good in this world. Amen. Let's win some souls to Christ. Amen. The wrath of God there is hovering like the sword over the head of lost sinners is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now that seems to be ironic. That seems to be um, somewhat uh, you know, like, a, like a, a, an enigma, un, 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 impossible to understand. They hold the truth in unrighteousness. You're going to see that evolution is a lie on a practical and spiritual basis as well as a physical and biological basis. Evolution is a lie. Man didn't start out ignorant and get advanced to intelligence, but rather man started out with the only way he could know the truth by revelation, revealed truth, and man willfully and deliberately rejected the truth, rejected the light. There is no way this world can work its way up to a level of being acceptable to God and God say, oh, you just become so acceptable, I'm going, I'm going to accept you. It doesn't work that way. The only way we can come to God is in our lostness and uh, our inability and say, Lord, the only way I'm going to be saved is if I take your free gift of eternal life. And I'd say to you tonight, if you have a desire for that, you want that, you can have that. He said, come to the water. Come on, whosoever will may come. That's it. It's not, there's nothing in there about being predestined or elect. Come to the water. Just come to the water. Take of the water of life freely. Take of it freely. In case you don't get it right, read that again. Amen. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. Everything you're going to see, you check the boxes as we go through this. God has gone the extra mile to make truth real and understood. Now what we're reading here in the book of Romans lines up with what we read over in 2 Timothy in chapter 3, the perilous times I talked about. 2 Timothy chapter 3, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. They don't love God. They don't love God at all. Verse 5, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. There it is. Uh, they, they're going to end up having to come to terms with their unbelief. And so what are we going to do? All they that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Verse 12. Verse 13, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. This church has been planted on, on this location for this time to reach this generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only message that can save and transform and make a difference, the message of salvation in and through Jesus Christ, period. Add nothing to that, take nothing from that. That's it, very simple. When we think about what the scripture says down here, in verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable <coughs> for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Are you staying with me now? A lot of scripture tonight. Got to keep turning in your Bibles, all right? 
What you understand from that is what I understand from it. That some of the scripture that we have in the New Testament is more predominantly profitable for doctrine. And that's the book of Romans. And some of it is profitable for reproof. That would be that would be First uh, Corinthians. For correction, that would be Galatians and so forth. For instruction and righteousness. We have, we have an emphasis in each book of the Bible. And here we see what the bottom line is. If we are going to be able to stand in this evil day and having done all to stand, we've got to put on the whole armor of God. We've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Like it says in Ephesians chapter 6, we've got to pray. We've got to pray and pray some more. And we've got to go into battle with our heads up, with our, with our shield of faith. We've got to walk by faith and not by sight. We've got to wield that two-edged sword. We've got to stand against unrighteousness because this world is no friend to grace. This, this world is not going to give you any wiggle room whatsoever. We have got to go in the power and the might of the Lord Himself. Amen. So there it is. Paul hadn't been to Rome, but he planned to go. He was talking about it. And tonight, we're looking at the judgment of God on a wicked world. A world that had the truth before but rejected it. It says, For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are, what are the next words? Without excuse. Lost sinners are what? Without excuse. There is a church that calls itself a Baptist church that has changed its missions program because it has embraced universalism. Universalism is the error that says that God is too loving to send anybody to hell. And so people uh, who are in some foreign culture under some uh, false religion, if they're very sincere about it and they work very hard and they do the best at their religion, even though it's wrong, God's going to look down and He's going to say, oh, well, they meant well, so oops, I'm going to give them a second chance. And the second chance is they don't have to go to hell. Why, they can come on to heaven on the basis of their good effort, their good works, in spite of the fact that they have rejected Jesus Christ as the only way. Now that particular church, I wonder why they even have a missions program. Why would you have a missions program? Just tell everybody to do their best, work their hardest. That's not historic Baptist doctrine either. Because historic Baptist doctrine is true to the Bible. And the Bible says everybody's lost until they get saved. And that's why we go into the world and we tell them that. We're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In the coming year, we're going to have the opportunity to take on three new missionaries at least. That's where the giving is right now. <coughs> Aren't you glad? We can increase <coughs> the number of pictures out there on the wall and the people that we support. Amen. And uh, of different varieties, too. Everybody's not a cookie cutter. Everybody they're going to is not on a, an assembly line. Everybody's different. We have, to, we have to send people who are flexible and pliable to be directed by the Holy Spirit to, to direct lost people into all truth. And to do that, we have to have the right kind of people that will take the unchanging Word of God to reach people which covers Everybody's need. Everybody's need. And so, amen. But I'm hoping that in this coming year, we have even more people going to the Jews and to the Greeks and so forth, uh, to, to the, the barbarians, to everybody, whoever they might be. Amen. So, we have people that are without excuse. Why are they with, without excuse? Every person uh, is acquainted with God, 
by virtue of creation. Put it down. Creation. Secondly, everybody within them, even in their unregenerate state, has a conscience. Now, it may become a seared conscience, but at least they have a conscience. And because everybody on this planet has the evidence of creation, even the fingerprints of God are upon the individual. And because everybody has the conscience, they are without excuse before God. They have to come God's way. So somebody that's off in some far-off country, what do they need? They need the Bible. They need it in their language. They need a missionary to go. And that missionary to, to win as many nationals who will spread out and go inland and go inland and go inland and keep going and, and win folks and, and establish local churches and baptize them and then go out and go inland and go inland and go inland until we have reached everyone on the face of the earth. It is possible in any given generation for that generation to be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ and if that is not true, if what I just said is not a true statement, then God is unfair. He is not the God of the Bible. He is some other being. But the God of the Bible has given the means whereby those people who are without excuse can be saved and they get the opportunity to be saved when someone sitting in this service or someone listening online right now says, the Holy Spirit is speaking to my heart through this. I, I need to go to some far off place and win as many people to Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what to do. Right now at your job, tomorrow when you go to your job, win as many people at your job as you can. And, and then when you come home on the way, when you stop at the store, win as many people as you can. Give out as many tracts as you can. And talk to as many people on public transportation or on the streets as you can. And then when you're going through your neighborhood, win as many neighbors as you can to Jesus Christ. And then when you get home, you get yourself a map of, of the world and you kneel down on it and say, Lord, where do you want me to go? And you listen to whatever God says. And in as straight, as direct a line as you can, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature here and there and everywhere. That's God's plan. That's God's program. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness, but His long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The judgment of God is already on a lost and condemned world. That lost and condemned world must come to God through Christ one soul at a time. They're without excuse because that when they knew God. Ah, there was a time when everybody's ancestors knew the way. There was a time. You can take it all the way back to the Garden of Eden. You can bring it all the way forward. There have been more than one time. But before the flood and after the flood, those people had an opportunity. There was a dispersion at the Tower of Babel. We understand where that took place. We know that the boundaries were set. Some of these boundaries are rivers and mountains and oceans and so forth, and that's where God put people. That is, that is not an excuse for segregation. You people that are stuck uh, a century and a half in the past. Let me tell you right now, when God set the boundaries, that has nothing to do whatsoever with a, a, a homogenous society like ours. I believe that God was in the founding of this nation. I believe this nation has become e pluribus unum, one out of many. I believe this nation is a melting pot. I believe there's room for every kind of person 
in the borders of this nation, but we need to remember who established this nation and upon what it was established and not lose that identity. We can be internally evangelistic as well as externally evangelistic, and I want to be both all the time. So when they knew God, they glorified Him not. What's the first step away from God and away from the blessing of God for an individual, for a church, for a nation? What's the first step? Not to glorify God. Not to glorify Him as God. When we put God in a secondary role, rather the primary role in our individual life, we have, we have gone one step toward bringing this nation lower and lower and lower down into the pits of destruction. We need to glorify Him as God. Your reason, boys and girls, adults, young people, your reason and my reason for living is to glorify God. We glorify Him, and guess what? We also give ourselves a spiritual insurance policy against the judgment of God. That's it. As long as we're glorifying God, He's going to extend our lease a little bit longer. And we're going to be able to serve Him a little bit longer. And so let's glorify Him a little bit longer. Not so that we can live in this old world. <clears throat> you know, we try so hard to stay alive. We have every kind of life support. we got every kind of this, that, and the other thing. You know, uh, the guy that spends all of his time, and I believe in working out, and I believe in staying healthy and taking supplements and eating right and all of that. But the joke is told, the guy gets to heaven, and whoever's taking role says, man, where you been? You, you're supposed to be here 15 years ago. You know, he was working so hard to stay alive. And this world has its means and it has its purpose. And its means and its purpose is for us to serve Him every breath we take, every moment we're alive, every opportunity we have to talk to somebody. Lord, cross my path. Somebody went through a difficulty just a few hours ago and, and uh, texted and called and we've spoken back and forth. And, and I said, turn it around for Jesus. Win the people whose path you cross where you are in that place of difficulty. If you end up in the hospital, the waiting room of the doctor's office, you end up wherever it is. If you're, if you're off someplace where you didn't intend to be, use that opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus. God doesn't make any mistakes. Amen. Now, first step is to stop glorifying Him. Step number two, this will preach. This will preach. Second step is to be unthankful. And we find in every listing of last day's vices, unthankful, unholy. That's it. Unthankful. But became vain in their imagination. I've been teaching the kids. Hey, guys, look at me. We were talking in, in choir practice for kids' choir. I said, uh, God wants you to use your what? Say it again. Imagination. They got it. Now, I wish all the adults would get it. God wants you to use your what? Imagination! That's right. And in your imagination, you young people, you boys, you girls, you young people, in your imagination, God put that there for godly purposes, not for sin, not for degradation, not for every low, you know, off-scouring every, every bad thing, but for positive things. And the devil wants to pollute your imagination with bad things. So you want to you think on these things. Think on the Bible. And you young people think about, and you ask Jesus what He wants you to be, what He wants you to do with your life. And you imagine that. One, one young lady, I said, what, what would you, you know, and she talked about uh, soccer. 
And I said, what's the highest level of soccer? And she said, Olympics or World Cup or whatever. I said, then imagine yourself. Imagine that. Now, along with it, you've got to work out. You've got to have good nutrition and you've got to work out and you've got to pray. And it may not be God's will, but you ought, to, you ought to strive for and imagine what you can be and what you can do. I like what the, what the one gospel singer used to say at the water. She used to say, God, don't make no junk. God, don't make no junk. God wants you to be your best. God wants you to accomplish something in this life. And maybe your accomplishment will be winning someone else to Jesus or raising up that boy or girl for the service of the King of Kings. I don't know what it is, what your role is, but we shouldn't settle for second. We shouldn't settle for third. We shouldn't settle for some afterthought, some little asterisk at the bottom of the page. We want to imagine what God wants us to be and what God wants us to do. And we need to attempt great things, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. They glorified Him not. They were not thankful. Became vain in their imagination. We need to keep our imagination positive for Jesus Christ. And their foolish heart was darkened. A fool is a person who does not ascribe to the wisdom of the Word of God. That's what a fool is. And we're not at liberty just to say fool, 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 call people fools. But God calls people fools who don't believe that He is who the Bible says He is. And God's way is wisdom, and anything else is foolishness. So you could be the richest man or woman on earth and be out of the will of God, and He'd call you a fool. We need to be in the perfect will of God. Professing themselves to be wise, they became what? Fools. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. We've all almost come full circle. We used to laugh at the fact, and sadly so, that people would carve something out of wood or stone and then bow down and worship like a bird or a beast or something like that. We thought, how foolish that is. And we do the same thing. We worship things and not things that are going to last for eternity. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Now, your body and my body has been given to us to be, as a saved person, the, the uh, temple of the Holy Ghost, the dwelling place of God Himself. Jesus left this world. Now, Jesus is God who came down, was born of a virgin, and He lived as God in a body. Then He ascended in His glorified body to the right hand of the Father where He is now. We are in our corruptible bodies right now, going to be in incorruptible after the rapture, but we're in this body, and what are we supposed to do? You say, well, anything I want to do. Well, that's not true. Anything God wants us to do, anything God wants us to be. We need to surrender our body, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service, and not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Look it up if you want to. Romans 12, 1 and 2. That's God's program in this body. So what do people do? They start doing whatever they want to do, whatever is sensuous, whatever feels good, whatever seems right, whenever, with whomever, they want to do it. And that is not their right. That is not their right. This whole thing about it's my body, I've got a right. Wrong. Doesn't work that way. God gave us a body. 
It's been lent to us. It's been given to us so that we may serve Him and glorify Him. I want us to think about all the times we have, have uh, dishonored Him who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. We need to get that thing straightened around. What's wrong with this whole world? It's upside down. It's on its head. It's inside out. It's wrong. It's wrong because it's worshiping. It's showing honor and respect to everything that won't last and showing no respect and honor to Almighty God who is forever. And all of the principles and all the truths and all the attributes of God are a mystery to people today because they're so busy trying to do their own thing and God has never even ever once said, oh, you're at liberty to do your own thing. People are doing that because this world is in rebellion to God. And Christians, some Christians, professing believers, are leading the charge. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. Now it's getting right down there. Getting down there where you're close to the bottom. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet or fitting. In case you haven't noticed, the word of God is very clear on the subject of gender confusion. I don't have to stand up here and harangue about it. You know what's right. You know what the Bible says about that. God created Adam and Eve. Male and female created he, him. There are not three, five, fifty, twenty-five, you know, 125 different genders or shades of the same. There are two genders. Some people are confused about it. That's the situation. But there still are two genders. It's not what you think. It's not what you want. It's not how you want to be identified. It's how you were born. Amen, preacher. Somebody has to say it. Amen. That's it. Now, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, why? Because of guilt. We were bowling as a church activity a number of years ago, and uh, I had, uh, I had uh, uh, another soul winner with me. We were going from, from alley to alley giving out tracts, and we passed out a simple little Bible tracked to, to two gender-confused women who were there bowling, and one became absolutely livid and belligerent and, and said, Can't you tell I'm gay? Well, yes, by looking at the person's appearance, I would surmise that they might be. I didn't give that to them to make her angry at me. But you see, there's a guilty conscience because God only made two genders. Amen. Just like I know God only wrote one Bible. Just like I know there's only one way to heaven and His name is Jesus Christ. What's so hard about this? I preached it Sunday. Let's keep it simple. Let's keep it basic. Amen. And let's do it with a heart of love. Now, if they call this hate speech, let me just throw this in so we get the whole recording to include this. When I identify the problem of Romans chapter 1 and of the age in which we live as including uh, gender confusion because there is a guilty conscience and there is a wrong identity. It is not because I hate people. It's because I love them enough to tell them the truth and there is a God who loves them and wants to save them from that stuff. 
He still does. Amen. You say, well, will people like that be welcome? They are always welcome to come to church as individuals. Don't come as a couple. Come to church as individuals and listen to the gospel. Let Jesus save your soul. Did not like to retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Reprobate means flunking the test. To do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Let me stop for just a moment. Under the old covenant, the law, people would be put to death for those things. Disobedient to parent. We know in, in, in uh, Old Testament times they would stone those that were disobedient and so forth. And I want to bring to your attention also those of you who say, well, I'm not guilty of this and this. There's something in that list that ought to make us convicted. Uh, have you ever whispered against authority? Have you ever whispered against Order, if you had your whisperer, and that is first cousin of the devil himself. And in the Bible, people died for various things. Uh, we don't know of anybody that God directly killed. I might have used somebody to do it, but he never killed anybody for adultery or fornication, even though that's sin. But he did kill people for speaking against the man of God. And killed them on the spot. So let's get our heads square on that, all right? Let's get straightened out on this. There's something in this list that applies to all of us. And I'm just going to tell it like it is tonight. You're here tonight because you love Jesus. You're listening and viewing tonight because you love Jesus. But there's a world of people who don't love Him. And once upon a time, their great-great-great-great-great-granddaddy knew all about Him. But now they've not retained Him. And so we've gotten so far, I mean, this thing has drifted so far from its mooring that it's out to sea someplace. And it's in danger of going down. And the only thing that's going to save that ship from going down is God's people living right and doing right and standing up and saying what's right and loving people back to God, back to God through Jesus Christ. All right? Who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, they do those things, but have pleasure in them that do them. Hey, I got company. I got other people that sin, just like I sin. That's what they're thinking. The truth of the matter is, while there may be strength in numbers sometimes, this is not going to keep judgment from falling. Judgment is individual. Praise the Lord that we've got the truth. We know Jesus. And that judgment was taken by Him at Calvary, when he died on the cross, he was willing to take your debt, your penalty, and mine. And because of that, we ought to have a desire to serve him. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And how many of you tonight would say, Preacher, something in the message spoke to my heart. Slip your hand up high. Something spoke to my heart. Amen. All across the auditorium. Do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you pray right now from your heart to God something like this? Dear God. I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins.
and take me to heaven when I die. If you prayed that prayer and meant it, I want you to come and tell me.